So we've been in a study. This is the third, one, two, three. This will be the fourth week of our study. And, and we've uh, been in a study about uh, the church. Um, first of all, uh, let me ask you, uh, uh, what's something that's the most important thing in your life? Just think about it for a second. Uh, if you had to say, like, what's the most important thing in your life, what would that be? Anybody? Rachel. Okay, Jesus. Okay. Okay, same thing. Okay, cool. Uh, what else? Any other things? Got, the, got a good answer down? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, um, if you had the opportunity to uh, reach out and ask uh, God, what's the most important thing to you? What do you think he'd say? Church, exactly. His church. And... Uh, that's, that's why this study has been the most important study that I think we've been on, is to understand what is the thing that God's heartbeat beats the fastest about um, in heaven, um, and it's you, it's me, it's what we call the church. And so we've been looking at this thing called the church. Um, before we get started, uh, just a quick note for some of the adults. We have uh, the Institute for Life coming up this week, starting this week, Thursday. So it's a four-week uh, time on Thursdays. And I uh, uh, just want to encourage you to come to that if you can. Uh, Steve, there's a handout back in the back there. On the, should be one there. Um, and there's some pencils and pens on the back there if you want to grab one. Uh, so this Thursday, and uh, it's all about, like, Two things. It's, we believe we have, uh, that, that our community has, uh, has needs, and uh, uh, we believe the scriptures have answers. So um, we want to just kind of figure out how to get those two together. Doesn't it make sense? <laughs> um, so uh, I'll be teaching a, a study uh, here about um, broken relationships and putting the pieces back together again. And if you don't have a broken relationship, that's cool. That's great. But you know what? This is also is good because it'll talk about um, uh, preventing Breaking broken relationships too, and then we're also going to have another one here uh, that uh, um, Pat Savaggio is going to be teaching on marriage from the designer's perspective, and and so just a comment around that. So this has been our our uh, study is in is in the church, and uh, we've looked at a number of different aspects of the church. Uh, we've looked at the formation of the church, and we've looked at some of the figures and metaphors for the church, and that's where we're going to start. To, Today, just really quickly cover what we covered last time. Uh, the first whole page on your study, your handout, if you got one, as opposed to those, the, the adults, um, is going to be just a really quick overview of what we covered the last time I was speaking. And then we're going to um, uh, go to the next page also, uh, uh, after that. Okay? So let's take a look at that real quick. We looked at, uh, we looked at the church, the first one on the first page there um, in your notes, just as a recap for, for us, as, for the adults, is we looked at the church and the metaphors for the church and that there's, there's five of these, uh, excuse me, six of these. The first is the body, the body, the body of Christ. And we said, you know, as the body, uh, uh, are we obeying the head? And, it, and is it, is it uh, are we um, listening to, the, to and obeying the head, which is Christ. So Christ is the head, we are the body. The second one here is uh, the bride, or the bride of Christ. The, the church is called the bride of Christ. And, you know, when we think about the bride, we talked about, you know, are we really looking forward to uh, that marriage that we're going to have in the future? The marriage that we will, we will uh, 
We will marry, if you would, the, the, the husband, the groom. Uh, there's a handout back there for um, anybody walking in on the back there. If you want to grab one, make sure to grab one. Uh, the adults have them already. So, uh, so the second is the bride of Christ. And we said, you know, we should be anticipating and looking forward to uh, uh, this, this time that's going to come in the future. And my question is, is are we? I mean, today, I mean, have, did, when you woke up this morning, did you, was there, did it ever even cross your mind yet today that, I mean, this could be the day? This could be the day that we see Christ? Wow! How unbelievable might that be? I mean, that, that, that transforms your entire thinking, doesn't it? It does mine. And we will be forever with the Lord, never to be separated again. No divorces in heaven. <laughs> Isn't that great? Um, if you're walking in and, and you don't have a handout, there's a, there should be one or two more left there. Um, the next is the building. A building. We're looked at as uh, uh, living stones. And we are in the process as the church to be placed into and put amongst this great building that God is building. It's a living building. And we are living stones. A lot of times it hurts when... You know, God fashions us as living stones to fit into His program and His building, doesn't it? A lot of times it hurts when we have to change our character to become more like His so that we're useful. And that hurts sometimes. It really does. And so, you know, my question to us on this particular one is, are we, are we being shaped into the image of, God, of Christ like God wants us to be? A building. The fourth one here is a priesthood. A priesthood. We said, what do priests do? Priests are responsible for worship, uh, leading in worship, and leading and, and serving. And my question to us is, as we think about the fact that we are becoming priests in, in God's kingdom, uh, that's all about becoming the best worshipers we can become. And uh, that's, that's something that... I have a, as, a, as a specific stated quest of my life written down that I want to become the best worshiper I can be. And that's been my quest over the last six years is to get better at figuring out how to become a better worshiper. Can you put that fan on there? A little, little room back in the back there, Jeff, too, maybe. Yeah. The next one is a flock. Flock of God. The flock of God. And uh, the question around that one there is, is all about um, are, we, are we listening to His voice day in and day out? And are we hearing what He's saying? And are we following Him? Because He says, I, I want to take you into where peaceful waters are. I want to take you into a place where you have the ability to rest your soul. And, and are, you being, are, am I, are you being still and listening to God in my life? Yeah, it's a little important, isn't it? Next one here is uh, branches. Branches. We are, the, we are the branches. He is the vine. And we are to do what as a result of that? <clears throat> abide in Him? How do we abide in Him? How do you do that? It was kind of like what I was just talking about a little bit, wasn't it? It's like listening to Him, spending time with Him, having Him be the most important person in my life. I, I so appreciated what a number of you said earlier. What, what's the most important thing in your life? And I didn't say person, I said thing. And you said Jesus. Oh man, awesome, great. 
I only wish I had learned that when I was your age. Um, I, I think if you talk to any of the adults here, they'll say the same thing. Um, abide in Him. What else are we to do as a result of branches? Bear fruit. Not just bear fruit, but bear a ton of fruit. Be a ton of fruit bearer. <laughs> what, how do you bear fruit? What, what, what does fruit look like? What's fruit? Yeah. Fruit of the Spirit. Excellent. Fruit of the Spirit, which is things like what? Love, joy, peace, patience. Huh? Kindness. Goodness. Self-control. What? Gentleness. Faithfulness. Awesome. If that is the, is how we are living our lives and, and conducting who we are in the midst of this group here and amongst our friends, uh, we're not going to have to go to an institute about broken relationships, are we? <laughs> we prevent them. We make them the best they can be. And we experience what? Life. When, when, when branches bear fruit, it's an evidence of healthiness and life, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to run through the next ones real quick and we'll get into our time together today. Uh, the purposes of the church are, are four purposes of the church. The first one is, a, is ministry to God. Ministry back to God. It's worship. It's all about presenting ourselves to God. It's all about Him. It's all about His glory. It's all about our lives revolving around Him. It's about the fact that He's the chief cornerstone and we, circum, we, we go around Him and orient ourselves to Him. Uh, we, we do it, we, we minister to God in worship uh, by remembering the resurrection. That's why we're here today, is to remember the fact that the resurrection exists. He says, and the, and the early church did what? They came together on what? The first day. Why the first day? It's because they wanted to remember the resurrection. That's when Christ rose. Because Christ rose, we also have the hope of eternal life. And we will be forever with the Lord. That's the beauty of the reason why we come together today. Okay? The next one is to give our offering. And this offering doesn't mean money necessarily. Because it, 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 first and foremost, it means ourselves, doesn't it? That we offer ourselves as what? A living sacrifice, holy unto God. So my question this week is, I mean, how you doing on that? I mean, are there some things that you know, need to be jumped. I mean, uh, uh, is he the most important person that you're living for? I mean, I can't... I mean, you, can, you can say what you want this morning, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're accountable to God. I'm accountable to God. Am, am, I, am I experiencing intimacy with him? Am I offering myself up? You know, Corinthians, Paul talks about in Corinthians the fact that we have died. Our, we are no longer ourselves anymore, our own. We don't own our, our, ourselves anymore. We, we, because of the love of Christ, want to live for Him. Okay? Last but least here is sing songs out of a heart of praise. There is no other um, entity in the world that, um, especially organized, quote, religion, that, that, that has a fundamental desire and a heartbeat for singing songs uh, uh, in a way to God. There's nothing else. It's, it's, the, it's the church that, that does that. It's, it's, it's the Christian faith. 
And so um, you don't see that in, 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 in most things in other, other religions. Okay, so ministry to God and worship. Second is ministry to believers. It's to nurture you. It's to nurture me. The church is to bring us together and to present every person complete in Christ. Present every person complete in Christ. So it is to um, make sure that we take those who are believers in Christ and take them from being infants and grow in Christ till they become spitting images of Christ. <laughs> and Christ is a spitting image of who? God. He says, I, uh, I and the Father are one. And, I, and it said, Paul says in Colossians that He is the image of God. The very image of God. So, so if Christ wanted to please His Father, and that's all He cared about, then that's the same thing in our lives. Okay? And then to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So to nurture believers in that way. The next one here is the ministry of the world, or evangelism. Ministry of the world, or evangelism. It's to make disciples of all nations. Um, make disciples of all nations. And to be merciful as your Heavenly Father is merciful. So... Uh, there should be. An, are there any more handouts back there? I don't know if there. But there's there's no there's no place over here if you want to grab a chair. Or, um, so be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. So how do we how do we demonstrate mercy? What what does that mean? How might you have died this morning? What's well, how does that happen? What does that mean? Anybody? What is mercy? Okay, or that is grace. Mercy is withholding something that they do deserve, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's the opposite of two sides of a coin. Yeah, yeah, good, good, okay? And the last one here is really simple. It's like, don't get any of these out of balance. Don't get them out of balance. There's three main ones, don't get them out of balance. Don't be falling off the horse only on worship and you're really not taking and, and, and doing what we're doing this morning, which is instruction, which we're going to get to next, which is, which is bringing people through the ability to think rightly about who God is and, and have that be a part of the way I think about my life. I mean, the filter I live my life with has to do with how I think. And that's called a, a worldview. And that's what we're all about doing this morning. Okay, so any one of these out of kilt you're going to fall off the horse and it won't be a balanced ministry for, for the purposes of the church. Any questions about that? Okay, the next one here, we're going to look at the five functions that make up the church. Five functions that make up a church and we looked at this one already last time and we'll just hit it really quickly. First is instruction. Instruction or teaching. That's what we're doing this morning. Instruction or teaching. Um, teaching is, is explaining God's word. Explaining God's Word in a way that will allow people to, to, to understand it and apply it. Um, um, so the, the, the end game for this, the purpose of it, is that you would become, grow into full maturity. What does full maturity look like? We put it this way, there's none of us in this room that are that way right now. <laughs> okay, we're all in a quest. I'm in a quest to do what? Become more Christ-like. Right, exactly. And so, if, if, if He's the image that, that we're all looking, or reflection that we're all trying to reflect off of, then we all can get a, get a sense of how far short we, we are from that, don't we? I mean, this morning, when I think about that, I, 
Each of you probably come to grips with specific areas of your life that you're going, you know what, doesn't measure up, doesn't measure up, doesn't measure up, doesn't measure up. That's the process that we're in, is to, is to figure out how to change that. that. The only place where true transformation can exist in a person's life, true transformation, that of a believer. That's the only place it will stick for good. Because God gives us power through the Holy Spirit who dwells us to be able to change. Isn't that amazing that, that we can change, we can be, become more like Christ? I find that fascinating. Okay, next is uh, teaching or instruction is the antidote. What does the antidote mean? Big word, right? A cure, okay, a cure. You know when you get bitten by a snake, they give you what? An antivenom. The antivenom reacts against that, 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 that poison, doesn't it? And so, the antidote to false teaching is the Word of God. It's knowing God's Word well enough so that when you hear people say X, Y, Z, or this, that, and, and the other, you can say, that doesn't sound right. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't mesh with what my understanding of what the Scriptures say. And I, I praise the Lord that we have a church that wants to stand on, on the sufficiency of the Scripture. And wants to stand on the fact that the Scriptures have everything we need to be able to become more like Christ. And that's what we need, most importantly. Okay? And that, and that, we, and that, and that we won't um, uh, land in a place that's not good for us there. The next one is it produces some things. Okay? It produces some things and it provides some things. It produces love among believers. In fact, uh, Paul says to Timothy that the whole goal of instruction, the end game of instruction, of us doing this today, is that, is that love would be produced. Um, godliness, we already talked about, um, brought it up just a second ago, that that's the end of, of it, becoming more like Christ. And then our ability to submit to one another. What, what keeps a person from submitting to another person? Right, amen, that's bingo. That is absolutely it. Pride keeps us from submitting one to another. And so the, 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 the scriptures tell us about the kind of character that we really have and what we should change. Okay. And then it also provides spiritual nourishment, a proper focus on, uh, uh, in life, about eternity, a focus on God, and, and which is just, I mean, it's absolutely the exact opposite of, of our natural inclination, isn't it? What's your natural inclination? What's, what's mine normally? Pride, selfishness, the world circles around me. When I got this morning, I mean, I had to literally change my thinking to say, you know, I want to live for Christ today. I, I don't want to live for myself today. And then what does that change mean in how I think and how I act? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't wake up every morning thinking, man, you know, I, I got it wired and i gotta, I got to live for Christ. I mean, it's a decision that I make every day to say, I want to become more like Christ. And, and, and so that's, 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 that's that focus. The last one here is it gives us examples to follow. It gives us examples to follow. The scriptures say that we have them because um, they give us... Um, Great examples. And great examples could mean like what to, what to do right, right? <laughs> and great examples could also mean what? What not to do. What not to do. 
And I tell you, you know, you know why the Word of God is so powerful and true? It's because it doesn't mince words. It tells the way it is. It speaks of David and Bathsheba. It speaks of this or that. And it tells the way a person really was, even though they might have become a man of God. It says, this is the way it is. And, and that's, that's the beauty of it. That's, I mean, if it was written by somebody else, they'd want to make it look the best it could, could, could wouldn't it? But God says, no, let me tell you how you really look. From my vantage point, you know, nobody measures up. Okay, good. So we're going to go to the second one now, which is after instruction and teaching, it's fellowship. The fellowship, uh, the first one we're going to look at under fellowship is sharing. Uh, sharing. Uh, an example of this is, is literally eating together and prayer. Eating together and prayer. Paul, uh, or excuse me, Luke in Acts 2 talked about after the early church had just come into being and formed, that they got together and they ate together. They spent time together and they prayed together. Turn with me, if you would, to Philippians 1. Philippians 1. Start looking at some verses here that correspond to what we've been talking about. Philippians chapter 1. Um, let's take a look at verse 3. Through five, let's do three through six. Would somebody read that for me, just out loud? Uh, Philippians one, verses three through six. Yeah, just go for it. Uh, three, uh, chapter one, verses three through six. Okay, so the sharing that he's talking about is this participation in the gospel. He says. I have, whenever I think of you believers there in Philippi, and Paul's now in prison in Rome, says, every time you come to my mind, which is the purpose of this letter, um, what does he say happens? He has what? He offers prayer with what? With joy. With joy. So he's saying, you know, my experience is that when the community of believers... That, that coming together this morning, or coming together at church, or coming together at youth group, or coming together, Paul, with that church, he said, it was a time of awesome joy. It was great joy. It's a fellowship of the saints. It's like no place else can you experience being able, hopefully, to be real and honest with people and be loved. Wow. That's cool. That's really neat. Um, and that's what he says is courage. And so sharing, eating together, prayer. Um, he goes on to say, because I remember and I'm very confident that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. He says, not only am I fully confident and have great joy about what God's done for you so far, but I have even tremendous hope about the fact that he's coming again. And we share in what he's doing in our lives now, and we have this beautiful picture of the future that says we have, we're going to share in, in this hope forever, eternally. So, so the sharing and the eating together, that fellowship, okay, that sharing, if you would, is something that's eternal in nature. I mean, when you look around the room, these are the people who are going to be with us eternally. I mean, do you, do you think about relationships a little bit differently that way? Yeah. Like, get it figured out. <laughs> Either you love them or you hate them, but you better figure it out now because you're going to have, you're going to, have to love them forever. Um, so, eating, eating together in prayer. 
Second one is, is material or finances. It's, it's helping or giving of time or resources. There, there's some more chairs over there. Uh, time or resources to be able to help people who are in need or to further the gospel of getting it out across the world. God, God said that, you know what, you have, the church is the only, only plan I got. There is no plan B. If you, if, you, if you guys don't get it and do it, then I, I, didn't, I didn't like, you know, in my pit pocket, i got the other one here. I'll pull it out and start using that one instead. This is it. This is how it's going to happen. And, and that, that brings tremendous accountability and responsibility to us. Um, that, that the money that we own and have isn't ours. Um, the third one here is rejection or suffering for identification with Christ. Rejection or suffering. We share in that. You know, I was—I had the privilege of being on on uh, vacation this week back out in California with my folks, and um, w- w- one of, we got a chance to watch a DVD about Muslims around the world coming to Christ. What an awesome thing! It's just amazing to see how they're coming to Christ in lots of different languages and places. But the but the common theme across all of those those testimonies on DVD was was the fact that they suffer for Christ's sake when they become a believer. One was asked to drink poison by his father. Um, God spared him. He drank poison and he didn't die. I mean, amazing, amazing stories around the world about what God's doing. I mean, catch a glimpse, get a view of the fact that this is what God's up to on planet Earth and He's going to pull it off. And He is doing it. It's an awesome thing to see happening. Um, but to suffer, he says, you who want to speak out and live for me, you're going to get ostracized. You're going to be pushed on by this world because they hate me. They hated me and they will what? They will hate you. I mean, that, that, is, that is the process that we, we've undertaken as sharing in this fellowship. A number of one another's, I'm not going to go through them all. Um, in detail, but accepting one another, loving one another. We talked about a, lot, a number of these from the standpoint earlier about the, 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 the uh, fruit of the Spirit, right? So there's lo- accepting one another, loving one another, refraining from judging one another. Um, now, let me just mention this one real quick, because judging one another, um, the word judge here means to stand higher than than a person and look down on them and, and think um, lower of them than I think of myself. That's what judging means here. That does not mean, like Paul says in, in, in Corinthians, that we should judge one another within the body of Christ. His word judge there means we, we need to be discerning. We need to be discerning about watching how our, our best friends and the people in the body of Christ are growing do they love God? How can we come alongside them and encourage and, and exhort them and, and, and admonish them to become more like Him? That's not the same thing. What's the difference between those two? Doing it because you care about them, not because you take care of them. Exactly. Love. I'm demonstrating out of love. The first one, which is to judge, means that I'm going to stand in trial over a person. I don't really care about them. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to look down on them, right? And, and, and we're not to do that. But what we are to do within at least the body of Christ is to be very discerning and encouraging of one another to become more like Christ. And he says, do it all the more as you see the day drawing nearer, which is the time when Christ is going to come again. Okay? Um, 
Alright? Uh, the next one here is keeping the unity of the faith. Keeping the unity of the faith. He says that it's of utmost importance uh, for us to keep the unity of the faith. The fellowship of, of, of the Spirit and the unity of the faith. So whatever it takes to do that, he says make that happen. So fellowship, sharing, and one another. Another thing, if you want to uh, take a look at it, I didn't put it in here, but you may want to put Ephesians right here also. Uh, the rest of Ephesians. There is like five or six or seven one another's in there. That is a fascinating study to take a look at. Just look at the rest of Ephesians and look for the words one another. And you'll be it's a fascinating study to take a look at. What does God ask us to be doing one another together? You know, showing kindness to one another. Forgiving one another. All, lots of different ones there. Okay? Next, the third one, so first is instruction and teaching. Second is fellowship. And the third one here, uh, that, that as to the functions that make, uh, make a church up, is ministry. Ministry. The first one under ministry is exercising our spiritual gift. Our spiritual gift. Exercising our spiritual gift. I know uh, Michael's talked about this in, in, in your time together, right? Uh, probably quite a few times. Um, uh, I, if you walk out of this room and, you, and, you, and you're in junior high or high school here and you somehow think that because you're not an adult that your gift in this church um, doesn't matter, you are absolutely wrong. You're absolutely wrong. You are the church. It's not like as though we're going to wait for a while till you kind of grow up and then you become a part of the church. You are a part of this church, and, and this church will not function as well as it could if you don't play your personal part in this church. And so my question to you right now is, do you know what your spiritual gift is? If you know what your spiritual gift is, I'm going to put you on the spot. Raise your hand. Okay, just keep it up. Just raise it up high. Right. So, 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 so let me get this straight. Okay. Six people raise their hand in a room of what? Twenty-five, thirty. Okay. Most all of you are believers in Christ, and Christ died for you, and He left you the Holy Spirit and a spiritual gift, and and you, as of today, October sixth, two thousand and seven don't know what gift it was that he left you. I mean, it's like Christ gave you a gift and you haven't opened it yet. <laughs> Imagine doing that at Christmas time. <laughs> oh my goodness. He gave you a gift and, and you haven't like opened it yet. You're like, I put it on the shelf and I don't know where, what it is. I don't know what it is. I mean, that, you wouldn't do that, would you? And yet, 85% of the room doesn't know what that is. Super important. How can you, if in fact using your gift, let, let me make another statement, if in fact using your, your, your spiritual gift to please God in this church will bring you the greatest joy in your life, then I, it tells me that we are not experiencing the joy that, that God wants you to experience. Does that, does, that, does that make sense? Either because we don't know what the gift is or because we haven't chosen to start to use it. So I want to really encourage you guys that, that, that not raising your hand, it's okay. It's okay for right now, but you know what? Get on a quest. Figure it out. Start serving. Figure out what God wants you to do. And see how that works. There's lots of opportunities. We just talked about some today as far as you know, the mark and lots of other spot and other things that are going on. 
But I want to encourage you. I have found, and, and, and everybody I speak with, I don't know, you guys tell me who, who know your spiritual gift and, and are actually using it. There is no greater joy in my life, none whatsoever, than, than, than you for, for the Lord God. Awesome thing. And so I just really want to encourage you. You're going to say something. One way that I, I discovered told me. Yeah. I'm like, oh. And then when I started, and I was already using it, but um, then I realized, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is. That's a know, great way to realize it was Another way is to uh-huh. um, go to Romans and yep. study the spiritual gift, you know, at least what they are, and then find out what that means. Because yep. gift of helps, I think yep. that's one of my gifts. And I didn't know it until, you know, a friend told me. And by the way, um, I think that every person has one spiritual gift. I can back up with Scripture. The, the problem is, is that it, it may manifest itself with multiple dimensions. Mine's teaching. It also is administration. You'd say that's two gifts, and I'd say, no, it's one. It's fusion of gifts of teaching and administration. See what I'm saying? So it doesn't mean that it's all... And, and it gets manifested in multiple ways. It could be with adults. It could be with children. It could be at home. It could be some... You see what I'm saying? So it gets manifested lots of different ways. Um, but anyway, so I want to encourage you to that end. Take a look at that. Exercise spiritual gifts. Ministry. Serving others. Giving to meet the needs of others. We talked about that already under, also under fellowship. Uh, showing mercy to one another. Um, these are all examples, if you would, helping each other of ministry in action. Of ministry in action. Um, the next one that I wanted to take a look at is exercising biblical shepherding and restoration. So turn with me, if you would, to um, 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. Paul's letter to, to the church there in Thessalonica. 2 Thessalonians. Uh, we're going to look at chapter 3, uh, verses 14 and 15. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, uh, verses 14 and 15. Somebody want to read that? 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Anybody? Wait a minute. Second uh, Thessalonians three fourteen and fifteen. I'm sorry. Anybody? If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and regard him as an enemy. Okay. So, um, what what is what is biblical shepherd, shepherding and rest, restoration process? What is that? What what does that mean? Anybody? As in with some, someone teaching someone else. Okay. Otherwise, I'm not sure if the restoration is complete. Okay, so shep- shepherding for the purpose of re- restoration is, means what? It's coming alongside other people, right? For for what purpose? What does this mean? Yeah. Just help them spiritually. Okay, to help them spiritually. Okay. Uh, all right. Discipleship. Okay. Okay. Um, this differs a little bit from instruction, which is the first one, or discipleship, in that what this means is, let's say, let's say I'm going down the road of life, uh, and I'm in the middle of the stream or the river, and, and being in the middle of the river means that I, I I'm walking in the spirit and I'm I, I, I'm wanting to do the things that God wants me to do. But you know what? A lot of times when I'm in, in, the, in the middle of the stream in, in, in a canoe, let's say, a lot of times what happens, if, if you've ever been on a river, you, you, you get into what's called an eddy. Anybody know what an eddy is? It's an eddy. 
like a whirlpool, right? It's like on the side of, of, of a river, and it just goes around in circles. You ever, see, you ever seen those? Like, like it's, it's, I don't know how, I don't know what makes it, must be rocks or something, but, but, but over here on the side of a river, you just got this thing going in a circle. And, and, what, and what this is all about is, is, is you know, what, what causes us in our lives to go in circles in, in our spiritual lives is sin. And so when we get caught up in something that we should not be caught up in, and, and spiritually we're just going in circles, what biblical shepherding is all about is, is coming alongside that person. So it's an individual situation. It's coming alongside them and it's, 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 it's speaking truth into their life with the goal of what? Getting them out of the eddy. Getting them back into the middle of the river so that, they go, so that things go well with them. Does that make sense? Have you, have you ever seen that done? Either in your own life or other people's lives? Just people come alongside them individually, encouraging them in an area maybe, watching them grow, kind of get the, get the ship back on its track. I know for a fact many of you in this room have, because I, I, I know your lives. Uh, and so I, th- that's, that's what that's all about. I mean, how, how great is it to, have, to know that you have leadership and shepherds and people in this body who care for you enough to speak the truth to you in love? And do it in a way that encourages and restores you back into a place that's a good place for you. That's an awesome thing. It doesn't exist a ton of places. And, and that's an important thing to have. It's just the opposite. Destroy it, yeah. Do whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, almost like, uh, you know, for you the uh, younger, I mean, you know, if you haven't learned it yet, the church becomes, as you grow older, it's really a sanctuary. It's a sanctuary, hopefully. It's a sanctuary, at least. You know, where you can really be real people. You can, you can, you can fall down and it's okay. They don't shoot you. And they can help you up and get you back. That, that's an awesome thing. It doesn't happen every place, like we said. Okay, that's what biblical shepherding and restoration is. The last one here is caring for the needy along with widows and orphans. Caring for the needy along with widows and orphans. Um, let's turn to James chapter 1, verse 27. James chapter 1, verse 27. Somebody got that? James 1, 27. Here in undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. Visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep one's own. Okay. So, uh, James uh, says that um, one of the most important things for us to do in our lives is, is to... Um, uh, keep ourselves from being stained by the world. And examples of that, certainly, really importantly, at least in the church at that time, was widows and orphans had nobody taking care of them. They, 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 were, they, they had no family. So the church really was their family. They, they paid, they take care of, of widows and orphans. And so he says, caring for the needy is, is a part of the ministry. Okay, uh, the next ties to organization. Um, what makes a church is you could have this instruction and teaching, you could have fellowship, you could have ministry, but if you don't have organization tied to it, then it won't be a church. And so what the first one is a plurality of elders and pastors. A plurality of elders and pastors. Um, the one office in the church is called an elder pastor. 
Is there a difference between elders and pastors? Buddy? Thoughts? What do you think? Adults, you can't answer because you were just in last week's study. <laughs> Is there a difference between elders and pastors? What do you guys think? In some churches, but in ours, what about what about the scriptures? So, so <clears throat> pastor and elder are, are actually um, different roles of the same person in the scripture. Yeah, good point. Um, really good point. So there isn't a difference. Um, there's not meant to be a difference. Let's put that. Sometimes you see that the difference in churches, but there's not meant to be a difference. So some, some happen to be able to be supported by the church financially, um, you know, full time. Let's call it, and, and some um, some have their normal job, you know, that they work, you know, throughout the day. So that that that's the only difference that you see is kind of what you call a lay or full time kind of sorted um, pastor elders. Okay, good. Um, so, but but but. The, the scriptures are very clear about having a plurality of them, and that that this plurality have have uh, e- are equal. equal. They're, they're not hierarchical, so there's not like this like you know top person who does the whole thing and then everybody reports to them like in the corporate world. So I mean, just think about how vastly different that structure is from what you you see in in companies today or anything else. Isn't that, isn't that, I mean, who, who would have ever come up with that concept? That, 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 there's not very many places I know that it even have a concept like that for leadership. It's always hierarchical, isn't it? Yeah. Second is deacons. We, uh, um, deacons, what's the difference between deacons and elders? In office. Are what? Are, not Okay, uh, let's put it the other way around. Um, deacons could be teachers, but they don't have to be. Yeah, they don't have to be. Yeah, so I, I don't want to say that they aren't because sometimes you do see that. But that's the, that's the key differentiation between that is that um, may or may not be able to just open up all the meetings that are called out by the elders. For okay, excellent, good. Good, and why, why, are de- why are deacons in place in the first place? Why are they, why, why do they exist? Yeah. To get things done. To get things done, yeah. Because to free up the... The shepherds or the pastors, the elders, so that they can be more involved in ministering the word of God to people's lives and, and, in, and in prayer and in leading. So that's that's the purpose of the two. Yeah, good point. Okay, organization number four. Number five is ordinances. What in the world does ordinances mean? What does ordinances mean? What is an ordinance? Not a firearm. <laughs> an ordinance. An ordinance just means like something that was set out and being, been told to do, so so we do that. And what are the ordinances in the church that we that we we're, we're going to do one this morning? Lord's Supper, communion, right? Good. Lord's Supper, communion. Lord's Supper, communion. And and he says in in, in Corinthians, what does he say? Paul says, you know, I received from the Lord that which I also heard that the same night Jesus what took bread and he took. The cup. Okay, so he received that from from Christ directly. The second one is baptism. Second one's baptism. How many in here have not been baptized? Raise your hand. I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not going to make make a big deal of it. Not been baptized. Okay. So I would really encourage you to consider baptism um, as a way to uh, um, publicly acknowledge your desire to want to serve the Lord. 
Um, it certainly is not, um, that's not what saves you, but baptism is something that would, um, uh, that, that, that the scriptures encourage a person to do to uh, demonstrate to people, a watching world, publicly of the faith that already exists in your life. So, okay, five things. Um, let's take a look at the distinctives of the church. Um, and we're going to look at these in two, two dimensions. First of all, in relation to Israel, and second, in relationship to the kingdom. So, so the question is, first of all, the church. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who might say, you know what, when Jesus was here, he preached the gospel to the Jews and to Israel, and they didn't believe him. Right? And so he said, okay, fooey on you, I'm going to take this thing to the Gentiles. And I'm going to create the church. And so the church must be what? The way in which he's doing everything on planet Earth. And so the question is, is, is the church, is the, church um, the new Israel? Is the church like taking Israel's place? That's the real question here. What do you think? Why? Why yes, why no? I would, I'm inclined to say yes because they were made, I mean, as, as a people to be set apart and just as Jeremy is to okay. be set apart. All right. So, so the issue of being set apart is an important one? Yep. Good point. The, uh, yeah, kind of, because that's how God is using us now. They didn't believe him, so we just went. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But now he's working through the church. Does that necessarily mean that that Israel, as we know it, has been uh, put aside forever? So the primary way he's working on planet Earth is through the church today. Yeah, good point. But let me put the big but in there: the church is not Israel. It, it, it's God's way of working today, primarily to who? Gentiles, right? But there is coming a time. When that will be reversed. So let's talk about that real quick. So in relationship to Israel. Israel, the word Israel, um, throughout scripture and, and all, everything, has, has always referred to the physical descendants of Jacob. The physical descendants of Jacob. Never in the, in the scriptures do you see the, the Israel referred to as the church. They're always separate. Okay? The second one is the scriptures speak of Israel as a clearly distinct entity and different from the church. Throughout Acts, you see um, the, 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 the people in Acts, Peter, uh, Paul, others, speaking about uh, men of Israel in the same context as talking to the church. So they, it seems to be completely different. Completely different um, focus. Um, in in uh, 1 Corinthians 10.32, let's take a look at that one real quick. 1 Corinthians 10.32. Somebody want to read that? 1 Corinthians 10.32. Okay, so here's a good example where Paul actually calls out what? There's this group called the Jews, or Israel. There's a group called Gentiles, separate from Jews. And then this third group, which is the church. So he calls them out as completely separate entities. Okay? So, um, so the scriptures speak of Israel as clearly separate and distinct entity. The next one here is Israel is rescued and all Jews saved at the end of the great tribulation after the rapture has taken place. 
So we are right now in a place called the church age. If you look at your picture on the last page there, um, uh, there's a picture there. It shows uh, where we are in, in, in the timeline. It's called the church age. So that, that time frame has lasted about 2,000 years since Pentecost. And so Israel is planned on being rescued in the future. So, so God took his focus of, me, of working with the Jews and he put it on hold. And he started a new work, which was the work that Israel was supposed to do all along, but never did and didn't believe. He, he said, okay, fine. You're not going to believe. I'm going to set you aside for a while. And I'm going to focus on getting the gospel to the Gentiles around the world. So my does that mean that, 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 that Jews don't come to Christ now? No, it's just that his primary focus is to Gentiles. Some Jews come to Christ. But the primary focus is to Gentiles. Okay, So that's been happening now through the church for 2,000 years. Turn with me to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. I think this is uh, one of Jim McKeon's favorite verses here. <laughs> I think you know it by heart almost. Um, but let's look at Romans chapter 11. Um, would somebody read verses 25 through 27? Romans 11, 25 through 27. Anybody? Okay. So hold your finger there and look at chapter 11, verse 1. He says, I say then, has God rejected His people? Has He, has he not rejected His people? And what does He say? His people there is who? The Jews, Israel as a nation. Has he rejected Israel? And what is the answer right there? No, no way, Jose. You see that in there? It's not quite, it's a different language. <laughs> no way, Jose. He says, no way has, has God rejected his people, Israel. So, so, then what's going on? It's just what I talked about, is that his primary focus is to the Gentiles. But, verse 25, he says what? But I don't want you, you here, um, he's talking about uh, you plural, Jews and believing Gentiles, the people who I'm speaking to in this letter to Rome, I don't want you brethren to be uninformed of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own estimation, that, quote, a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So a partial hardening, hardening of the hearts of of Jews, has been put in place since Pentecost. Not all Jews, but partial. Not full hardening, but partial. From then until when? When does it say that this is going to let up? Okay, until, quote-unquote, the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. What does that mean? What does that mean? When will, the fullness, when will the fullness of the Gentiles have fully come in? At the end of the church age. At the end of the time when he's finished doing this. We believe that will be what? Rapture. Rapture. Why would that make sense? It's because his plan for Gentiles primarily will be complete when he takes all those who know Christ home. In a moment. In the same twinkling of eye that I was talking about the first time we got started this morning. 
He, he's going to do that just like in a nanosecond. In an atomic moment, he says, it will happen. And he says, that will be the end of this thing called the age of the church. Because then, my primary focus is going to turn, and it's going to turn to who? Turn back to the Jews. Because he says, all through chapter 11, he says, don't for a second think that I've put my plan for the Jews on hold permanently. I'm going to pick it back up again. I'm going to pick it back up again during a place and a time called the tribulation period. And in fact, it's going to get worse and worse over a seven-year period that the latter half of that tribulation period is called what? Jacob's trouble. Why would it be called Jacob's trouble? Why would it be the world's trouble? It's because it's a focused effort on Jacob, on Jews. Yeah, is God showing His wrath in an ever-increasing drumbeat of incredible carnage and everything else towards the planet Earth and those who are non-believers? Yes. And that is also a demonstration of His incredible grace that He's willing to do. But the, but the most important reason for that, great, for that tribulation period and the great tribulation period is that He has changed His focus to focus back on Israel. So, are they different and separate? Completely separate plans that God's got? Yeah. Israel's on hold till when? The fullness of the Gentiles comes in. What will that look like? Verse 26. And then, or thus, or in this way, or in this fashion, quote, all Israel will be saved. All Israel, all Jews on planet Earth who are alive at this moment in time, at the end of that tribulation period, will be rescued. They'll be saved. He will save them spiritually. And He has to do that because in order for the next step, which is the kingdom of God, to come, in, to come on earth when Christ comes again, uh, the second coming, when the battle of Armageddon takes place and, and you know, Armageddon like you can't believe exists, um, when that happens, he says he's going to all Israel to see him coming, and they're going to go. They're going to mourn for him because they're going to finally figure out that they made a, a gigantic mistake in not believing the Messiah was Jesus Christ. And they're going to believe in him, and it'll be that complete all Israel coming to Christ that ushers them into the great into the into the millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign of Christ. We're going to talk about more about that next time. Yeah, Jews are being saved now. Ephesians talks about them. It says he's making two into one new man. It's the church. So Jews and Gentiles today in the church age are being brought together into one new body of Christ called the church. Yeah. Question. Any other questions about that? Exactly. So what what creates this incredible aha experience? There's two great, incredible aha experiences for the Jews that bring them to this place. Right now, they could care less. They're mostly agnostic. Very few Orthodox. That they don't care about. They have a tradition of God, Jacob, Abraham, the forefathers, but they don't. They believe God. The God's put him on, you know, he's gone away. And so, what are the two big, cataclysmic, historic, fundamental e events that are going to take place? First is going to be the rapture. God takes all believers off the earth and leaves them. Oh my goodness, what was this? 
I mean, can you imagine waking up tomorrow and you're a Jew who's a non-believer and you're going, hey, he took the wrong people. I'm a Jew. And you're going, what's that all about? And he's got to get their attention, right? And so all of a sudden he gets their attention. He puts, he puts 144,000 people on the earth sealed with the seal of God who can't be killed, just preach the incredible gospel through the first three and a half years, and people are coming to Christ in droves. And all of a sudden... At the end of this incredible persecution by the Antichrist, at the end of that time, they're going to be completely wiped off the earth. He's surrounded them all, and the war is on. And then, Jesus Christ splits the eastern sky. Glory of God comes in the turn of the King of Kings. And He fights for His people like a warrior fights. And He... And, and, and he completely decimates all the, all, the, all the armies of the earth in a place called Megiddo. A place today that I was just told, you know, has fighter jets underground with nuclear warheads ready to go at a minute's notice. So, I've been there. I've stood there on the Mount of Mount Megiddo and looked over that plain. It says the blood from that carnage will be up to the horse's bridle this high for 200 miles long. So, are the church, is the church different from Israel? Absolutely. It's completely different. But yet, there is a time today that's called, you know, uh, the time of the Gentiles. But it may be done today, maybe this afternoon. But I just pray that God would give us the ability to, to be like, the ability to sense, you know, the times we're in. And to have our lives count for eternity. And to be able to make our lives um, such that they um, contribute to the kingdom of God in some way, shape, or form. Like I said before, if you uh, didn't raise your hand on the spiritual gifts, man, I just really encourage you, really encourage you to go for it. Figure this out. Talk to Michael. Talk to me. Talk to anybody. You know, start to get involved and and start to sort it to the ground. You'll never be you'll never be disappointed. Um, Jeff, would you close us in prayer?